about the bullseye and is the center of the target. And uh, we've been going through these outer rings. The first outer ring, if you missed, was just daily Bible reading. The simplest thing you can do in your life in 2016 is just spend time reading the Word 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, whatever it is. Spend time reading the Word of God every single day because it acts like a compass and it gets you back to true north, which is where we want to go, straight up to heaven, right? So that brings us back into alignment. There's a lot of confusion out there in the world today. We do not have to be confused ever, not about God's love, not about his grace, not about his favor, not about his blessing, not about his healing. We never have to be confused. The way we never get confused is to be continually in his word, right? Yes. Amen. The second one was prayer. Just having a relationship with Jesus where you're talking to him, you're hearing from him. He's hearing from you having that constant communion. We talked about how, if you don't ever want to live a life of anxiety, you do everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, right? So that was a second ring prayer or Bible reading prayer. Then we talked about order, getting order in your spirit, soul, and body that that's what God wants us. He wants us ordered first and foremost, that our spirit then coordinates everything in our life. Our soul is our mind, will and emotions. All those things are subjected to the Holy spirit, to the word of God. And then even our body is then also subjected to all those things. Hearing from God is so important. And then we talked last week about your business, right? Which is really God's business. When you put God first, then everything's going to be all right. And when we put ourselves first, our desires, our business, our life ahead of God's business, when you try and do that as a believer, it just does not mesh. It doesn't really work at all. It's like two magnets that are flipped around. They're just going to keep opposing each other. So you've got to flip them around. And the right polar opposites is you saying, God, I'm giving everything to you. And then you just cling to him. What happens is when you get self-will in there, it's a reverse pull. And it doesn't matter how how fast you run at God, just the selfishness, just it cannot come near the other one, right? You put those two magnets together and it's like you can squeeze them and then they just flick right away. That's the same thing with selfishness and God. They don't mix. So we get rid of ourselves through prayer, through reading the word, through getting order in our life. We get rid of ourselves so that we can come straight into him and have him first in our life. Amen. Amen. So tonight, what I want to do is I want to just give you a message of faith that will inspire you and encourage you to know that you can do this. You can hit the bullseye and you can do it maybe in 90 days, maybe in you know 120 days, maybe by the end of the year. You're going to hit your bullseye this year, especially if you stick to the target. If you stick with the things that are on there, I can pretty much guarantee you that you will hit your target. Why? Because you will have so much faith by the end of the year that it'll just you'll hit it right on there. And that's what we're trying to get to. God is only pleased when we believe in him. Bible says like this in Hebrews 11, 6, without God, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So the whole life of a believer, which is the key word there, the whole life of a believer is a life of faith. And so God's constantly wanting us to stretch our faith. That's why we're doing things like Valentine's Day and Easter. We'll send out and, and we'll want to push for more people because we're stepping out in faith saying, God, we're stepping out here. We believe you. We trust in you more than our own ideas, more, more than our own strategies or growth or whatever. God, we trust in you completely. That's what faith looks like. And we're going to continue to step out in faith. And guess what? We're going to jump off the cliff and you're holding our hand. So we're going to pull you with us, whether you like it or not, you're going to step out in faith too. Amen. Amen. 
Amen. That's a good thing. That's the way you want to go. So that by the end of the year, you can say, man, you accomplished this great big huge dream. And you go into 2017 like, man, you should have seen what God and I did last year. This year is going to be even bigger. I'm going to believe for more. And that's how we continually live that lifestyle of growth. So, moving right along, we're not talking about resolutions, we've been talking about this philosophy of growth, that every single month, uh, by the end of the year, we're continuing a journey going closer to becoming more like Jesus. That we're growing every day. Again, the way we grow is by feeding our spirit. The way we feed our spirit is through prayer, is through reading the Word, is by coming in and hearing the Word and worshiping. All these different aspects help us grow and become more like Jesus. So we want to do that. We know that immediate results, typically, they don't really work. And this is what a resolution is. We want to see an immediate result without the work. And that's why people make those things, because they think it's kind of like buying a lotto ticket. Oh, this is going to be the resolution that works this year. This is going to be the lotto ticket that's going to win me the one and a half billion. No, it's not. One in 300 million. The same thing with a resolution. We try these get rich quick, these, these lose things fast immediately, all this. We try all these things that are just temporary, but they're not really a solution. The true solution is discipline, is focus, is determination, it's faith, it's continuing on in one course through the whole year. That's how you get to the desired result. Sowing and reaping are those things that you'll never be able to escape. Whatever a man sows, God says this, and the Bible says it in Galatians 6, whatever a man sows, that will he reap. We want to be reaping a harvest at the end of this year. But the question is, are you sowing seeds now? And that's what we want to get into our mindset. We want to be sowing seeds. That's why I said, if you get in the Word every single day for 300, let's just say you miss a couple days in there because we're all human, 363 days you read the Bible. By the end of the year, you're going to be so blessed because you're going to have so much of the word. You have read the entire Bible. If you just read 10, 12 minutes every single day, you'll have read the whole Bible in the entire year. Since I was 15, this is not a point of bragging, but just, okay, it is. Since I was 15 years old, I've read the entire Bible all the way through. There was a time when I was a youth pastor and I just really wanted more of the word, which I do now, obviously, too. But I was reading nine chapters a day, reading the New Testament every single month. And, man, it was so awesome. There was so much faith, and so I was had such expectation in God, and that, that has been able to fuel me now for the rest of my life. I don't ever have a shortage of things to preach or talk about in the realm of Jesus because I've sowed into that area of my life. And we want to be a church that sows into our personal growth. God knows that if we will grow and become more like Him, His kingdom will expand, which is why He says in Matthew six thirty three. Put me first, seek me first in my kingdom and my righteousness, and then everything else I'll add to you because if his kingdom grows, then there's more opportunity for us to become more like him, more opportunity to walk in the blessings and the favor of God in everything that we do. That's good right there. So moving right along, turn to Hebrews chapter 12 and verses 1 and 2, and uh, we're going to read this verse, and this is kind of the verse that actually got this whole series started, and uh, I was thinking about what, how did God, at the end of last year, Lord, what do we want to do? What are we going to preach? I like to preach on the basics at the beginning of the year, hey, just getting back into the Word, but I really wanted to kind of talk about resolutions and how we're not interested in resolutions. We're interested in growing on a continual basis, and these things support the Bible's philosophy of continued growth. And so this verse was one that I just kept thinking about over and over again. I was going to preach it first, but God really changed things and had me preach it last. And I think it's perfect because it says this, 
Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, this is the New King James, says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now let me read it in New Living Translation. It's a little more modern, a little updated language here. It says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you as living and sharper and powerful, and it's going to divide in our heart tonight between the soul and the spirit. Lord, I thank you that as this word goes out, Lord Jesus, your word is seed and is going out into good soil, that every person that city of God is a good soil person. Lord, we hear the word, we receive the word, we do the word, and we see a harvest in our own life of 30, 60, and 100 fold. And everybody who believed that said, amen, amen and amen. So look at this. What is your target for 2016? Don't, don't say it out loud, but what is the thing that you're going for, that you're aiming for? Maybe it's finances, maybe it's spiritual, maybe it's emotional, maybe it's all of the above. What is it? And the question we ask ourselves is, why do so many people miss the target? Why do they stumble? Why do they falter? Why do they give up by the end of January or February? Or maybe they get all the way to June, but they never get there. And they look back and then all over Facebook for all the end of December is all about how all the things they wanted to do and never could do them. Why is that? Okay, we're going to look at two ways that you can ensure you hit your target. Okay, number one is this, obey. Pretty simple. Obey. Literally the word sin in the Bible means missing the target. That's what it means, to miss the target. The word, and I don't usually give you Greek words, but this one's important because there's an entire study done on this word. It's a doctrine. It's called hamartia. And the study of that word sin, that's the Greek word for sin in the New Testament, is a hamartiology, the study of this sin. And the word, this word sin literally means this, to be without a share in, to miss the mark, to err, to be mistaken, to miss or wander from the path of uprightness and honor, to do or go wrong, to wander from the law of God, to violate God's law, that which is done wrong, an offense, a violation of the divine law in thought or in act. Uh-oh. Collectively, the complex or aggregate of sins committed either by a single person or by many. That's a huge word. What we've got to understand is that God loves words. He loves words so much that he called himself the what? The Word, right? So if we understand that God loves Word so much, He calls Himself the Word, when He gives us His Word, it is imperative for us to understand what His words mean and what His words say. In fact, we believe doctrinally as a church that the Bible is plenary, verbally inspired, which means it is perfect even down to the choice of every single word. That's good news. Because that means we preach straight from the Word. Now, there are other translations that you can't look at it like that. 
But we, that's why we use the New King James. It's you know, one of the more accurate ones. The most accurate is NASB. And the differences would be very slight in terms of the way they position this word or this word. The reason we like to use New King James personally is because it preserves the poetry of the Hebrew and the Greek language. So you'll see this in Romans 7 where Paul talks about the things I don't want to do, the things I end up doing. There's this very poetic flow to it all, all throughout the Psalms. You see David contrasting different things. Some of the newer translations leave those out for a little more accurate verbiage. We like the poetry of it all. Amen? You may not. Well, now you do. There you go. That's why. Sin, though, sin is missing the mark. There is a mark out there, and, and we missed it, or we wandered from it, or we violated it. It's a thought or an act. It's also the aggregate, the, 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 the sum of all the things that we, all the marks that we missed. You know, if you look at a dartboard at someone's house, where the most amount of holes all around the dartboard, you know what I mean, where someone threw it too low, and there's one over here, one over there. Oh, that's, that's us missing the mark. And even on the dartboard itself, all the most of the holes are around the bullseye. And if you look at somebody's dartboard, there's like three or four hits in the actual bullseye because some little kid went up and just punched it in there and say, I hit a bullseye, daddy. But the rest of us, we're all hitting it. That's, that's our life missing the mark. And that's no good, but there is a way to avoid that. And that's why the Hebrew said, the author of Hebrew says this, we need to lay aside every weight, say every weight, every weight, strip off every weight. And he says, especially the sin, the mistakes, the error, the violation, the law, the wandering, all that good stuff. Lay aside that, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. So we're acknowledging and recognizing that we all have weights, right? Laid on us. Okay. We all have sin, but we're also acknowledging and recognizing that this sin easily trips us up. Now think about that, that phraseology for a second there. Easily trips. So sin is what easily trips us up. And so Paul has this picture, and he says, or the writer of Hebrews, Paul is kind of the general consensus there. The writer of Hebrews, Paul says, look, lay aside, strip it off. Now, that's pretty, I mean, it's a pretty bold statement. Now, the picture that he's literally giving in this phrase, strip it off, is think of, you know, the, the Olympics, right? And the original, think of the original Olympics in Greece, okay? Now, togas, the, the wreaths, you know, the hats and all that good stuff. They didn't have, you know, spandex and all the outfits that we have now, you know what I mean? They make us look super fast standing still. You know, the yoga pants everyone wears everywhere to everything all the time. They didn't have those things. So it was either togas or nadas, okay? That's Spanish for nothings, just in case you were wondering. So either they're wearing a full toga and the, you know, the olive branch hair leaves and all that good stuff, or they're wearing nothing. So Paul's saying, strip it off. And so the image that he's giving, and he's telling this, of course, not just to Hebrews, but Hebrews living in Greek territory, he's saying, strip off the weight, lay aside the weight. He's telling them, it is impossible to run a marathon wearing a toga. Well, it's not impossible, but it's really ineffective to run a marathon wearing a toga, right? It's, you know, a big, long dress. So what do you tell them to do? Strip it off. Don't, I don't want to say that loud. Strip it off. Took, take off all your clothes. Again, we're not talking about, they didn't have spandex, no, no underwear, none of that stuff. So he's just saying, look, get ready to run and run without clothes on. That's what he means by stripping off. Strip off anything that would hinder you from running the race that God has set before you. And notice what God, what he says about the race. He says that it's an endurance race. 
It's going to be a marathon. A lot of times we view a year like a sprint, and I'm just going to bust out of the gate, go as fast as I can. But that's the dumbest thing you can possibly do, right? Anybody who watches videos of marathons on YouTube, we all know, because none of us are necessarily marathon runners, unless you are, and that's cool, and next week you'll be running it or two weeks from now. But the idea is that, look, we all see it on YouTube. They, They start off a little bit, and then guess what they do? They get into a nice, easy pace that they know and they know it because they've ran it a hundred times they know exactly what the distance is i know that personally and i'm not a huge runner but i have like a 400 meter pace and i know that i can run you know i forget the timing now but i know how fast i can run it in a 400 meters now if you say run a mile my pace is probably going to get a lot slower over time because i'm not that good of a runner i don't run a whole bunch but if you get me on the rower i know my rowing pace i know how many strokes per mile i need to go or strokes per meter all that kind of stuff because i have a pace that I want to go. For this year, you need to have a pace that you want to go. What is it? How are you going to continually sow into your life to see that dream that you wrote? You're going to write down later tonight that see that dream come to pass. The reason we wouldn't see it is because we didn't lay aside the weight that so easily ensnares us. Literally, he says, lay it aside. And another version says this, lay aside every weight of luxury. Now you say, well, I thought, we, I thought we were a church that believes in abundance and all that good stuff. We do, we do. Luxury and comfort are different than abundance and faith. Okay? When you get into luxury and comfort, you start getting into laziness. And you get into places where you don't want to do something because it's too comfortable to get up out of your seat. It's too comfortable. It's, I'd just rather stay where I am, right? Which is why when it rains, a lot of people don't want to come to church, which of course is weird. Because they think, well, it's cold outside. I'm comfortable as I am, right? Well, we can get that way in our life. We can become comfortable with the level that we are at in the things that are going on. We can be comfortable with our pain. We can be comfortable with our sin. We can be comfortable with just the current measure of spirituality I I feel good right now. I don't think I want to go any further. I don't want to stretch. The only way we really change the future is by disliking or hating the present. I don't like where I'm at right now. And a lot of people say that, right? I I just want to change. Great. Then change. There's a famous saying, goes like this. Change isn't change until it's change. That's deep, isn't it? You know what I mean? Because you're over there going, oh man, I want to change. I'm a ch-. Well, do it, right? In the immortal words of Yoda, do or do not. There is no try. Like either you're going to do it or you're not going to do it. Don't, don't attempt to do something. Just go for it. Just change whatever it is that needs to be changed. Well, I'm waiting. Well, it's too late now. It's midnight. I don't want to change. I've got to go to bed and I've got to get up. No, just change. Whatever it is, make the change that needs to happen. That's why I tell you, you have to hate what's going on right now in your life so much that you're ready to change and you're ready to do drastic change, right? We may say, man, I want to work out more. Then work out more. Right? I want to, I don't want to spend as much. Then don't. I don't want to, I want to save more. Then save more. Right? Well, no, no, you don't understand. No, I do understand. It's easier to stay where you're at than it is to change. 
right? Like all of a sudden the chairs got changed and people's spots were out. And it was like, uh-oh, uh-oh, you know, hot, you know, oh my gosh, I don't know where I'm going to sit because my normal seat is gone and somebody else is sitting in my seat. I mean, we all know it, right? We all have our own territories in church and all of a sudden the comfortable gets out of there. Where am I going to sit? My seat is gone. Of course, there's, you know, plenty of other seats around here. I, I, I know everyone around me. I don't want to meet anybody new. I don't want to get close to somebody because it's change. It's okay. It's change. It's change. LA changes a lot all the time, really quickly. You didn't like that building? Fine. It's going to be gone in about 20 months anyway. So don't worry about it, right? But we want to get in a place where we're changing and becoming more like Jesus. Amen. So we don't, we don't get stuck in the luxury and comfort, but we do step out in faith and we do believe God for abundant living. That's what he's called us to. It's what he said he's promised us from the beginning. And hopefully you've been reading in the Bible reading plan with us, but it's all about multiplication. It's all about us having this, this increase and this promise. And we're next series coming up is all about favor. And that's going to blow your mind because it's already been blowing my mind and it's going to be awesome. But the idea is just that God wants to, God is blessing us and we're walking in it and either you acknowledge it or you don't acknowledge it. And the biggest difference is that when we start acknowledging the blessing of God, the promises of God, that all of a sudden they become way more evident and the honor that we give God just pours out more and more and it becomes this awesome circle of promise and blessing. And that's abundant living versus luxury and comfort and remaining where I'm at and being content. Amen. So he's saying, lay aside those weights that easily ensnare us. It says, easily trips us up. And the picture here, imagine yourself surrounded by sin. The verse is a picture, painting a picture of sin standing around us, just waiting to trip you up. Just, you know, stick a foot out the last minute, grab your shirt as you're going out the door. You know what I mean? Whatever it is, kick your foot as you're walking so you stumble. That's these sins that are surrounding us. Another way to look at it, some of this author put this is, it's like if you're in a campfire in the middle of the jungle and the, you know, the jungle beasts are just waiting for that fire to go out so they can pounce on you and eat you at night. That's the, the picture of the sin that so easily trips us up, the sin that so easily ensnares us. It's waiting, just waiting at the door. In Genesis chapter 4, he, God says to Abel, he says, uh, excuse me, he says to Cain, he says to Cain, sin is lying at the door waiting for you. And his desire is for you, to trip you up. Sometimes we just, it's so easy to forget that, you know, the devil's against us. And the world system, which he controls for now, is against us. That's why the, the movies and TVs and the radios and the internet radios and all that stuff, it's not for Jesus. It's for you forgetting about Jesus and thinking only of yourself. That's what it wants you to do. You know what? Don't, go to church. Come on. You're going to have to. It's going to be so many people. The roads are wet. Just stay at home. It's comfy here. Right. And then you're like, you know what? No, I'm going to do it. And then as soon as you walk out the door, you, you know, you trip because the devil's out there. Fine. I'm going to put a car accident out there and I'm going to slow everything down. So it's going to by the time you get to church, you're going to be so mad that everyone having church on Sunday, you know, and you get there. Ah, I shouldn't have church. I shouldn't have got to stay at home. My PJs and watch TV for 48 hours straight or what? You know, that is the sin that so easily ensnares us. It's waiting. These are the think about these sins. They're easy to be committed, right? These are the Bible talks about this in Ecclesiastes it says the little foxes spoil the vine, gossiping, lust, unforgiveness, envy, pride, things that are always at the ready and ready to pounce and trip us up. 
back to our, you know, our, our illustration of the Olympics here, the, the wearing of the long robes, you know what I mean? They're, they're dusting the ground. They didn't tie them up, although that's a different phrase in the Bible. It talks about girding up your loins, and literally it talks about how they, they would tie those things up and run like a giant diaper. But in this instance, Paul's saying, look, don't even wear the diaper. Just get it all the way off and start running like crazy. Buck naked, aerodynamic, the most aerodynamic you possibly can be. That, that's the way it is. You know what I mean? And you just, sometimes you just got to lay aside those sins which so easily ensnare us. And so then the question is, well, how do we how do, we do that? How, we're, if we're always missing the mark, oh, that's the thing. When you are saved, Jesus grabs the dart, so to speak, out of your hand, and he starts throwing it. And he starts hitting the mark every time. And all of a sudden, your score is now perfect where it was, you know, two and five and wall and floor. You know what I mean? And the guy's back over there. You know what I mean? Whereas all those missings of the mark. Now it's just bullseye, bullseye, bullseye. And when God looks down at your score, he's like, nicely done. A perfect score. How'd you do that? And you're like, I'm so good. I'm so good. And then God, Jesus is like, remember who did that? Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. It's who it was Christ in me. <laughs> who did it? You know what I mean? I was standing there, but it's like, I did it. And God's like, I know. That's, that's what grace is. Takes the dart out of your hand where you're going like, and the target straight ahead. You know what I mean? Jesus is like, boom, boom, boom. Give me another one. Give me as many as I got. So now the sin that so easily ensnares us no longer has to ensnare us because Jesus has taken that and removed that sin off us. So don't carry it around anymore. Stop carrying it. Stop carrying the, the, the burden, the weight, the, 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 all that stuff. Just get it off your shoulders. Jesus told us to. He says, anybody who's weary, anybody who's, who's heavy laden, come unto me and I'll take it off and I'll give you my burden and my yoke, which are easy and are light. And there's a lot of people in L.A. carrying burdens they don't need to carry. There's a lot of believers in this world carrying burdens they don't need to carry. Forget about it. Just worry about what God's will is for your life and how you can accomplish it. And when you start doing that, then you can start helping others take the load off. Yeah. See, that, that's the opposite of a Pharisee. A Pharisee sees somebody coming in and says, oh, that's a big load you got. Here's some more. Right? But a true believer, a true Christian, true disciple sees somebody with a heavy load and says, Jesus can remove that load for you, and I'm going to help you get it off your back because I can see that one's been on there for a while. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And that's what's going to make the world really see the goodness of God because we're over here unlight, un, un, unweighing people and pulling the burdens off them, unloading them rather than putting the heavy burden on them. That's true freedom. True freedom is getting that burden off your back, not putting more on there. Yeah. Amen? Amen? Second thing is to endure. So the first one is to obey. The second thing is to endure. Like an Ironman competitor. The year is long. There's lots of different terrains, some on bikes, some on foot, some through water. But guess what? God already knew this. In fact, it says that God is the one who set the race in front of us. So if you want to know the path and the best course of action, you got to go to God and say, Lord, help me run this race with endurance. But here's the thing. God says this. He says, seeing that we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, this should give us actually energy to continue to run. Imagine a stadium full of people cheering you on. Jesus, angels, saints, you know, Moses, Paul, all these guys are in heaven and they're looking down on us, cheering us on. 
You say, well, what, what, what about, will they see me trip up? Sure they will. But they'll also see the grace of God pick you up and move you forward again. They're cheering us on. They're saying, come on, you can do it. Believe God. Trust in Him. Ask Him. Get in His presence. Have faith. Don't doubt. If we did it, come on, you can do it too. They're up there cheering us on, and that should give us the motivation to say, like, yeah, I can do it. If these guys could do it, then surely I can do it. The same Jesus Christ who was in them is also in me. Amen? And he says later on this verse, says, run the race with patience which seems like an oxymoron until you understand that the race is a marathon and that it requires patience. The only fastest way to complete a marathon is to run the race exactly as they've laid it out, right? The first time you run a marathon, you may not have a very good time, but the second time, because you've been training more and you understand it more and you know the path better, you're probably going to have a better time. The third time, better, fourth time, et cetera, et cetera, right? Run the race with patience. A year is 12 months. I don't know if you knew that. 365 days, 366 this year because of leap year. But guess what? You're not going to have any less days. You're not going to have any more days. So you might as well set set the race course and start running. Find that right pace. Like I said, maybe it's only five minutes a day reading the word. Maybe you can even kick it up to 10, whatever it is. But get on that pace and just start running. You're not going to get there any faster. This is where a lot of people think they can cut shortcuts by manipulation of God. Like, okay, God, well, if I can can get there faster if I do it this way. And God's like, no, that's called disobedience. And you're going to have to go all the way back to the starting line. You know, oh, okay. Obedience is the shortest distance to the will of God. You want to find God's will? Just obey God's will. And as long as you keep doing that, you're going to run that race and you're going to hit the the bullseye at the end of the year every single year. We want to be a church that hits the bullseye every single time. But we got to run the race with patience. Don't blast out of the gates like everyone else and their 35 New Year's resolutions. And this guy's got it better because he's got a life hack on how to do it. No, no, it's all just the same thing. It's all just temporary solutions to a long-term problem. And we know that that will not ever work. So we put ourselves on a philosophy of growth. And when someone asks you at the end of this year, what kind of resolutions you say, you know what? I don't have a year. I don't have resolutions. I have a philosophy of growth and I'm going to continue to grow. I'm going to increase my Bible reading. I'm going to increase my prayer. I'm going to increase more reaching out to more people, whatever it is. But as you do that, you'll be able to take on more and the race will get better and more fruitful and more abundant every single year. Amen. Amen. And he says, run the race set before us. Who set the race? Who organizes race? You know what I mean? Does every, do I have to run on it? Yes. It's the human race. I'm just kidding. God set this race and all you have to do is ask him. And that's what this whole thing is. That's what this target is. God, what is my race this year? What is the finish line that I can bust through? You know, we always see those pictures of people running through and they bust that tape. That's everything. God has tape for every single one of us. You say, what if somebody finishes ahead of me? They're still going to bust the tape and then they'll put another one, a new one up for you. So you can go, yeah, I get the picture with the tape going around you. And then you get the medal and all that good stuff in the spiritual realm. But God, the idea is that we're going to run this race and we're going to finish it. We've got to run the race that God has set before us. 
throughout that race. If you think about the triathlon, I think about the triathlon because there's so much varied terrain. Sometimes it's a little bit slower as you're going through the water. Sometimes you're a little bit quicker when you're riding the bike. Sometimes it's slow when you're running, whatever it is. There's all this varied terrain, but God knows everything that goes out there. He knows the waves that are going to be in the water. Right? How big they're going to get while you're swimming. And so you're thinking, oh no, oh no, the waves are getting bigger. And God's like, just stay the course. All you got to do is swim the same course. You don't have to, don't try and go anything else. The waves will come and grow. Then you get on the bike path. Oh no, they got, there's a pothole. Just go around it. Don't go in it. It'll mess you up. You know what I mean? Oh no, my running shoes. Just put on some new ones, whatever. I got to go to the bathroom. Just pee on yourself. That's what they do in marathons, FYI, from what I've heard. I don't know. I don't pee on myself. I'm a grown adult. But running that race, there's all there's going to be obstacles. There may be different weather patterns. There may be different people. There may be, you know, sometimes you'll be with partners and they'll help you run that race. But God knows the race he's set before you and he's put that path out there. All you got to do is run the race with endurance. Amen. Patience and perseverance. There will be need of patience to encounter the difficulties that lie in our way of perseverance to resist all the temptations to stop or turn aside. And that's the whole thing. As long as we have faith and patience, these are the conquering graces. And therefore, as long as we cultivate these things, we will finish the race. We'll get the target. We'll hit it on there. Come on, we can do this. You can run this race. You can receive the prize. It's not necessarily going to be easy, but God is with you. God is with us. He's got our back. He's not, he's not with his way behind us, cheering us on from the, he's with us running the race. He's like the, the aid car. You know what I mean? That helps us. He's the one pushing us in. Come on, you can do this with God. All things are possible. So if we cannot do it, it's because we didn't rely on God because with God, all things, we can do all things through him who strengthens us. And God's saying, get out there and start running this race because there's a bullseye to hit at the end of this year. Amen. Amen. We're on the winning side. Okay. We're not being chased by the devil. We're the ones chasing him out of town. And you got to flip that mentality around because sometimes we think that we're the victims and God's over there going, no, you're deliverers. We're the ones who are set to deliver this world. But if we keep focused on the losing side and what we don't have and what we're trying to get, we need to be focusing on Jesus, fixing our eyes on the author and the finisher, the beginning and the end. That's where we've got to fix our eyes. So this year, I want you to grab this card as, as we close tonight. And I want, to, I want to take some time and I want you to write down that, what is your bullseye for 2016? What are you believing God for? And it's the only thing that, that God can do, that you cannot physically do this on your own. If you say, you know, ride your bike to 7-Eleven, that's not the bullseye, okay? I'm talking about something that's going to be impossible for you to do. What is impossible and you could only do by the grace of God? And Hopefully you've been hearing him for the last couple of weeks and now you're ready to write it down. But just take a minute while I pray. I want you to write this down.